I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's about pride. It's about pride for us as players and... These games mean a whole lot to us. I mean, shoot, it's Wisconsin. Um, it's a rivalry game. The same goes for the next week, Iowa. Those are big games for us, uh, regardless of where we're at in the year. Those games will always mean something. We're just as inspired, if you will, uh, just as fired up to stick together, to fight the odds, and find a way to get some wins. Making moves in the middle of the season certainly isn't something I want to do. I, I care about those four guys so much. but. I, th- I thought it was important that we kind of got a head start on, on looking for some of the people to, to fill those roles as we go forward. So we got that going on right now. We're certainly recruiting right now, taking a look at Transfer Portal right now, and trying to game plan for two really good teams. So th- there's a lot going on. Yeah, we, I got good people around me, and we're getting through it. Right now our, our focus is on Wisconsin. Um, any extra time I get is devoted to those other two things, but uh, we're doing everything we can to get the players ready for this one. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, as you heard Adrian Martinez and Scott Frost talking about just kind of what's been a very unique week as we talked last week about the coaching changes and everything that happened. And in some ways, it was a blessing that this happened over a bye week as you don't want to mess with this during the regular season. Um, but the way the calendar is, it is what it is. And Scott Frost had to let go or let go of four coaches last week. The players had to kind of adjust. They had three practices to kind of get used to it. They got back to work for Wisconsin this week, and we know the series. I mean, Nebraska Robin has been in the Big Ten since 2011. They've beaten the Badgers one time. It was in 2012. And then the Badgers avenged that loss in the Big Ten championship game by literally putting Nebraska football in a submission hold in Indianapolis. (laughs) (laughs) To put it kindly. And I still go back to that game in 2012. I mean, Nebraska started Chase Rome and Cameron Meredith at defensive tackle against basically an NFL offensive line. Yeah, and when Melvin Gordon was like their second or third running back. Was it Monte Ball, Melvin Gordon? Yes, and then there's one more guy. I can't remember what. James, James White. White. James yeah, White. Just James. I mean, the ultimate yeah. waiver. Three wi- starting NFL running backs. James White, who's like always on your waiver wire in fantasy. And you yes. Don't do it, though. Don't take him. <laughs> though, anyway, I don't want to get into fantasy football tangents, but he in a PPR league, that guy was gold. But, yeah, you talk about just the history. that Nebraska's got one win over these guys, and we, we know that. Now, they didn't play last year, so there is somewhat intrigue. I mean, they, they have not played, like, a fully loaded Scott Frost team in 2019 when Wisconsin played Nebraska in Lincoln. If you remember, a lot of guys were hurt that game. Wandell didn't play. Um, you know, Maurice Washington was gone. Mm-hmm. You had no Carlos Davis, I believe, or Khalil, one of those, if not both. I mean, Damian Daniels or Darian Daniels may not have played. I mean, they had a lot of guys out the last time they played and they played them pretty competitively. Um, but this is like the first time Nebraska has played Wisconsin you know, with a full Scott Frost team. And and that that's what intrigues me a little bit about this game more than anything. 
especially coming off a bye week. Well, and another thing is for uh, as many times as you know, people want to say Frost has been out coached. He's actually had a pretty good scheme for Wisconsin's defense. They put up a lot of yards. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, even go back to 2018 when uh, you know JD Spielman broke the single game uh, receiving record. I mean, they, moving the ball was not an issue, and so uh, for whatever reason. Um, you know, shorthanded or not, he's been able to dial up, um, you know, a, a game script that has been really effective against one of the better defenses in the Big Ten Conference. So, I mean, that at least gives you some, you know, tangible reason to believe that, you know, Nebraska might be able to, to hang into this one despite all the adversity they've had to go through the last couple of weeks. You're listening here to the Husker Online show as uh, we go through opening headlines here. Um, there was some transfer portal news and we're getting that thing fired up. It's that time of year, Robin Washed, yes, as uh, portal season is here. Um, and Nebraska had their first portal entry of the regular season, Sevion Morrison, the running back. And I, I wouldn't say we were caught by surprise. I think we all knew that somebody was going to have to go. And, you know, it's funny how that works. I think there was a point where we're like, man, Ramir Johnson's going to be the odd man out who might be in the portal. And now he's the best guy. And, you know, there, there were a lot of freshmen on this roster. You have Marvin Scott still. You have Ramir Johnson, still a freshman. You had Sevion Morrison, and then now you have um, Jacques Giant. So right. you, you just knew that one of those guys wasn't going to make it. Uh, Sevion obviously didn't like his role or where things were at and put his name in the portal this week. Yeah, 30 carries and six games. Uh, you know, it just never really took off for him. And uh, I think a lot of it went back to last year when you know, he missed so much time with injury and then COVID, COVID uh, that, you know, his his development was really stunted. And so he went into this off, this past offseason uh, you know, playing a lot of catch up, especially, um, you know, with some, some more experienced guys. And then um, – you know, just a loaded backfield to begin with. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I know he was one of the more heralded guys in, in that running back class from a, a couple of years ago uh, and put up huge numbers um, in high school down in Tulsa. And, it, you know, it's just one of those deals you kept waiting for it to happen. And he showed maybe a flash here and there, but uh, it just, just never clicked. And he never really was on the field enough to take that next step. So it's, it's unfortunate, but it's just the reality of college sports now. I mean, the transfer portal is here. It's not going away. And if a guy feels that uh, he's got a better opportunity elsewhere to make it happen, uh, then he's got every power uh, to, to go do that. So, um, you know, we'll see what they do with the rest of that running back room. Uh, you know, during that same press conference, you know, when Frost is uh, announcing Sevian's leaving, uh, Marky Stepp was out in the hallway and, you know, our, our Abby, Abby Barmore was out there interviewing him and uh, wrote up a thing where, you know, he was kind of frustrated about how the season had gone. But, uh, you know, Frost also mentioned him and even Marvin Scott as guys that could potentially see a relatively bigger workload going forward now, especially with Morrison out of the picture. Yeah. One thing we don't really know is what happened with Jacques Giant. I, mean, I don't know. In the Purdue game. Talk about like the shortest leash ever. Well, in the Purdue game, you know, he had the two longest runs of the game for any player, and they were like essentially close to back-to-back -back plays. And then we haven't seen him. And, you know, and he didn't go in the Ohio State game that I know of, did he? Mm -mm. And he came, you know, they went with Marky Step late in that game. So, yeah, that's a guy that, you know, how hungry is he? There, there's a, something that we don't know there. Yeah, there's something that the coaches know that nobody else does because – I find it hard to believe that a guy can be that productive. He makes one mistake and then he's out of there. Uh, there there's probably some 
more layers to it that um, you know we may or may not ever know about. But clearly, that's been a big issue for him. Uh, is that there's there's something going on with the trust factor there with his staff and Jacques Yance, and maybe it goes back to the the off season. You know, when he showed up way way overweight and um, you know didn't do the things he was supposed to on his own time to to come in and shape. Uh, and, you know, maybe that got off everything to a wrong foot to where uh, you know, like I said, that that leash got shortened up. Uh, tighter than anyone's but you know this is a backfield that needs as many weapons as they can get they've had such an underperforming group there maybe outside of Ramir Johnson that you know if you got a guy like Yant that that has shown the ability to make plays and brings that physical dynamic to your run game uh, you would think that especially over these next two games against the physical defenses of Wisconsin and Iowa where ball control is going to be imperative those types of backs might get a bigger workload than we've seen. Well, and, and I don't know. There's something about him against Northwestern. That was a great game, the best game any running back almost played all year for Nebraska. But maybe that was a bad thing. I mean, maybe it gave him a sense of he had arrived. And then he got knocked back a few notches by making some critical mistakes in games um, against Minnesota and Michigan um, that, that were costly You know, at, at that point. So we'll see where it goes. But – um, we got a big show on tap here. Nebraska, Wisconsin will play Saturday. It's a 2.30 game in Madison. Um, for Robin Washington and I, it's arguably one of our favorite, if not favorite, Big Ten towns to visit. Um, great beer, food. Lot, lots it's like of- the epitome of a Big Ten college campus in my mind and it's i know there's a lot of bad experiences that have been had I know, everybody that went in 2011 exactly. i know your experience sucked okay <laughs> like we get it people were mean to you in 2011 but robin and i have been there every other time and people are great like right. I, I have no i mean there are drunk college kids at every place you go to yeah exactly so you're going to get that no matter what and as long as you're not playing uh the nebraska fight song 25 straight times on the jukebox at state state street brats then people are probably not going to have that big of an issue with you. i mean what everyone forgets 2011 nebraska came in picked to win the big 10 mm-hmm. and russell wilson was at wisconsin and the huskers traveled like 15 or 20,000 fans down there and we took over their bars we thought we were taking over the Big Ten. They didn't like that. Would you like that? I, I get why they were mean to Nebraska fans, um, but it is a great trip. If you could ever go to Madison, I would go to Madison. It, it is one of the, the best trips. I know a lot of you listening um, are on your way down or are maybe going to go down, but um, we're looking forward to going down there, and this will be uh, Nebraska's first trip to Madison since 2018. It's crazy. Yeah, so it's it's unfortunate that it's later because those Wisconsin cold it's a little different kind of cold up there. We've, Former we've Husker Online uh, <laughs> worker uh, Dan Hoppin yeah. learned that the hard way. Yeah, he brought a light jacket, no coat, and gloves, and uh, he about had like severe frostbite on his ears. He bought a stocking cap yeah. at a bar because he was so cold. <laughs> we had to convince him to do it, but uh, at least he, he took our advice and was able to not suffer any sort of freezing injuries. All right, well, we'll get you ready here for this game Saturday as uh, we've got a show a full show on tap. Uh, Abby Barmore will join us later and take some questions in the mailbag. Also, BadgerBlitz.com's Jake Kokorowski will join me in the show as uh, we'll get a full breakdown of the Badgers. That's next here on this week's Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. 
You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. They're a very disciplined defense, um, kind of similar to what a lot of teams in the Big Ten do. They're, they're not, they got some crazy stuff, but it's not really too crazy. It's just they're, they're good at what they do, and they stick with what they do, and they're disciplined at what they do. So it's, it's something that's a little different than what you see in, um, in the Big Ten style, but it's, they're, you, can, you can game plan for them because they're very disciplined. They're, they're very disciplined in what they do in terms of it's not going to change week to week. I'm excited to see our team prepares for a, a great defense like Wisconsin. But yeah, I'd say they're maybe the best Big Ten defense, um, really physical, solid all around. I mean, it's no secret, but I believe we have some pieces that they haven't seen, like you said, uh, a mobile quarterback uh, to my ability. I feel good about being able to threaten them that way. And then some of, some of the other things that make our offense dynamic, we're going to have to hit on hit on those things. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as you heard, Austin Allen, and uh, Adrian Martinez. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Forgot about him. <laughs> Who's that guy? Um, talking about this talented Wisconsin defense, the segment of the Husker Online Show, brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. And, yes, Saturday is Nebraska-Wisconsin. They're going to have that game on in all of their locations in Omaha and Lincoln. And not sure if many of our listeners know this, but – um, Brett Clure, who owns Lincoln and, and you know is tied in with the Omaha group as well. They also own the Middleton, Wisconsin Tanners location. And uh, Middleton is a suburb of Madison, Wisconsin, um, right across the street from where Nebraska stays when they play at Wisconsin. Um, so make sure when you're in Madison, if you are going out there, um, go across the street from Nebraska's team hotel. Check out Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. And here's the other thing I want to plug, Robin. A lot of us, I know you and I, are going to be in this boat on Saturday night. I want to go watch the Bud Crawford fight, mm-hmm. and that's a pay-per-view fight. You're going to be looking for a place to want to go. I got the place for you, Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. I talked to Brett. Every location in Omaha, Lincoln, and my friend Middleton will have that fight on. So uh, there is no cover. Tanner's does not charge a cover. Um, go in, watch the Bud Crawford fight on Saturday at any of these Tanner's locations, and typically those fights don't hit to about 10, 11 o'clock, um, mm-hmm. which should give us plenty of time to get done, walk back to the hotel, then Uber out to uh, the Tanners in Middleton. Yeah, only about an 18-minute drive or Uber ride, depending on uh, what your plan is for the night. So a pretty pretty easy trip to go watch Bud Crawford dominate once again because he's the GOAT. So if you're in Omaha, Lincoln, or even in Madison, Tanners has you covered this weekend for the Bud Crawford fight. Um, but let's talk offensive storylines and – I just have, you know had a lot of time over the last week to study and look over Wisconsin, and I just drew this observation. They had not seen a quarterback, Robin, like Adrian Martinez all year. It, they have literally seen just a group of statues the entire football season, and Wisconsin feasts on statue quarterbacks. Well, the only guy with any kind of mobility they have faced, arguably, is Noah Vedrill. Um, and I, I look at that as an advantage for Nebraska. If they're going to win this game or have a chance to win this game, it's going to be from the mobility of Adrian Martinez. I felt like against Ohio State, he finally took off the ball and chain and really took off and started running. Mm -hmm. He had three 10-plus yard runs. That was the most he had had since Northwestern. So he appears to be as healthy as he's been. And I think everybody in the locker room knows to have a chance – Martinez's legs are going to have to be a big reason why. Yeah, and I think just having a couple weeks to you know 
let all of those ailments that he'd been dealing with uh, get, a, get a little more chance to heal is going to do him a lot of good because uh, they need him, like you said, to be as close to 100% as possible because he is such a big X factor, not only just in this matchup, but for really uh, every game Nebraska plays. Uh, when Adrian Martinez is a true dual threat weapon, this offense is pretty good, and they can put up some pretty good numbers. Uh, and I go back, um, you know, they didn't play last year, but that 2019 game uh, when Wisconsin played, uh, you know, here, here at Nebraska, uh, Nebraska ran the ball all over him. Um, you know, before the, you know, the lost you know, sack yardage, they had over 314 yards rushing against Wisconsin. And Adrian Martinez carried the ball 16 times for 123 yards and a touchdown. So, that was, I mean, a big part of the success they had a few years ago uh, against, you know, the uh, a very similar scheme and what Wisconsin does defensively. Uh, Adrian's mobility uh, and his ability to hit him through the air. He had 220 yards passing. They had almost 500 yards of offense. I mean, that that's the key to it all is Adrian being able to keep Wisconsin guessing with what he's going to do with his arm, arms or his legs. When you go back to that 2018 game, Frost's first year, and that's when Maurice Washington was on board and you had J.D. Spielman and Stanley Morgan and Divino Zigbo, that was the game that Greg Bell like skipped town while we were leaving to go out there. That. And we reported the story before he got on the plane to go to Madison that Greg Bell had left the program um, to go in the transfer portal. And you know Nebraska went out there, though, and Wisconsin obviously won the game but they did things to Wisconsin's defense that nobody had done all year, and they exposed a lot of things. So I am intrigued just to see what this offense will do. The other storyline on offense, Robin, the coaches. Um, obviously, the four coaches are gone. Um, this week, we did not talk to any of the interim guys or Sean Becton, the last remaining full-time guy on staff. Um, but the breakdown of how the staff will be, uh, the quarterback's coach will be Steve Cooper. He's the former Portland State offensive coordinator. Offensive line coach will be Frank Verducci. He's a former offensive coordinator for Hayden Fry at Iowa, among other stops um, along the way, a veteran coach in that role. Steve DeMeo um, will will work with um, Nebraska's uh, wide receivers. Or, or no, that's I'm sorry, Frank Cassano. Yeah, Cassano. Cassano will work with uh, Nebraska's wide receivers, and then Ron Brown will work with the running yeah, backs. Yeah, Demeo is he's like the former offensive quality control coach, and he did some stuff with the offensive line, but he's kind of being elevated to help with the game planning. So he's he's not a, a game day guy, so he's not going to have a headset and be talking with Frost. But uh, he's he's been helping a lot with this week's game planning, and I'll obviously do it next week as well too. Yeah, I mean, you look at the guys that they have stepping in; they're all experienced guys. I mean. Obviously, Ron Brown is the most experienced guy on the staff almost in terms of years of coaching, and Verducci's right up there with him as well. Um, so it's not like they're just putting interns in these roles. I mean, these are veteran coaches, um, and, and even um, Steve Cooper was an offensive coordinator at the FCS level. And they've been here at Nebraska with Scott Frost for you know several years now, so they're no – they're not just outsiders coming in as you know, like mercenaries, just to finish out the season. Like they, they've, they are established pieces of this staff that uh, you know are getting a great opportunity to you know either get back into the saddle or uh, maybe cut their teeth a little bit in a, a full time assistant role. So you know, it's absurd for a lot of those guys. It was really hard to see uh, those coaches um, you know, have their have their time at Nebraska end the way that it did. But we've seen a couple different people. Smarty Toure today was one of them, where you know they were also just as excited for these four new coaches to be able to have this opportunity to to get back and um, you know try to end this season on a high note. So I think that you know it was a tough week, but I think 
these coaches are also guys that the players are going to rally around and uh, respond to the right way going forward. Yeah, and you look at uh, Mike Cassano. He, he's experienced as well. I mean, he was a full-time assistant coach at UMass for a number of years. Um, he was an assistant director of player personnel at Georgia Tech. He was a running backs coach um, at Miami in 2010. Um, and then, obviously, um, he was at Florida International um, as a running backs coach as well. So all of these guys stepping in. And that's the one advantage of Power 5 football now. I mean, you essentially have, in the NFL, you have a position coach and an assistant position coach. And the college football has kind of gone to that model, too. You have the position coach, and then you have quality control or analyst guys. Those guys get paid essentially six figures now, and they're almost like what you would consider, Robin, an assistant position coach like in the NFL has. Right. I mean, at, at some point, it just the only difference is who gets to actually do the coaching or the recruiting uh, yeah, on the field and the, the and who makes the bucks. Recruiting. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, as far as the workload, though, and, and making this whole machine uh, of running a football program happen, uh, there's a lot of people involved beyond just the full time assistants. And these guys were uh, imperative to uh, this this thing operating the way that it has been so like i said great opportunity for them to to get this chance all right when we come back we're going to talk defensive storylines at wisconsin you're listening here to the oscar line show i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here as in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's impressive. Uh, i tell you, he doesn't look like a 17-year-old. When you watch him, he looks like he's been in college for a long time. Certainly helps that he's got a really, really good line in front of him and a lot of good players around him. But doing the things he's doing, it's hard to do as a 22-year-old, let alone a 17, 18-year-old. So we got a work cut out with him, and I'm sure he'll be a good player in the league for a long time. I mean, he's a he's a really good back. I mean, there's there's not very many bad backs in the Big Ten. So it's every week where it seems like we're going up against fifth in the fifth in the nation and rushing, like whatever whatever the deal is. So we've we've gone up against really good backs this year and we're just ready for another one so he's a good back too so and welcome back here to the husker online show sean callahan robin washett as you heard um luke or um excuse me luke reimer and scott frost talking about braylon allen the talented 17 year old freshman running back for wisconsin and, and i just i have an eight-year-old daughter i'm like this guy's only nine years older than my daughter that's crazy and he's running through big 10 defenses yeah and so i mean i think frost was actually asked about that and andy kendy from channel seven asked him if he's been surprised by how uh impressive the 17 year old freshman has been and scott was like yes absolutely because it just doesn't happen where not only a freshman comes in and does that well but one that is that young uh i mean Wisconsin is just like had a they're kind of like the Packers of running backs where they just like get one elite, you know, all conference, all American level running back after another. And the cycle just doesn't stop. So uh, add Braylon Allen as the, as the next up uh, in that rotation of just elite level running backs that will give every team in the Big Ten fits for years. And this segment of the Husker Online show brought to you by the 2022 Erlingus Classic in Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, in August of 2022, as Nebraska will take on Northwestern. 
a lot of Husker fans want to go. We had a story this week on Husker Online. Steve Rosen interviewed John Anthony, one of the game organizers and owner of Anthony Travel. They anticipate, or at least their estimates of what they, they want, are 18,000 Nebraska fans and about 6,000 people from Northwestern coming out there. So gives you a good idea of how many people are going to be going. Guess what, Robin? There's not 18,000 golf tee times. There's not 18,000. <laughs> there are a lot of courses out there. Quality rooms. And, and, and one of the reasons you want to look at Huskers2Ireland.com is you want to get these things secured because the game organizers and tourism Ireland – they have pretty much a lock on all the rooms, all the fun things that are going to be going on because of the game itself and, and them working with the country and the different people. We've, we've interviewed people from mm-hmm. the government of Ireland in this office for this game. So um, you, you want to do it right. I get it. It might be a little bit more than doing it on your own, but you're going to get this trip done right if you book it at Huskers to Ireland with Anthony Travel. Um, we will be going out there with them as well staying in the heart of Dublin for a week. I'm looking forward to that. So check out the website, huskers2ireland.com. Get everything lined up for the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Uh, but let's go back to this Badger um, offense, Robin, what Nebraska faces. How about Graham Mertz? I mean, I think about over a year ago, I was sitting in Columbus, Ohio with Kevin Noon. We were watching a Dodgers game in the World Series that night, and we were also watching – Um, Wisconsin play Illinois and here's this freshman Kansas City kid just lighting up what we later would learn is a defense that everybody lit up but Nebraska last year (laughs) everybody but Nebraska (laughs) but Graham Burtz just dismantled them then he tests positive for COVID and these two teams never got a play last year and Mertz has all of a sudden just instead of being like this elite NFL guy that we thought oh man this is like Russell Wilson Mm -hmm. you know Joe Flacco type guy for Wisconsin um, he's become more of the classic Paul Chris game manager. And it's, it's been, I think, a role that we didn't expect, but I think he's at least tried to grow into that role the last few weeks. And, you know, there's something to be said for being a game manager and when you're productive. And over the last few weeks, really, uh, as the season has gone on, He's been playing some of his best football, and it's no coincidence that so was Wisconsin. So uh, they're so defined, I mean, as every team, but especially, you know, Wisconsin, where they have all the other pieces, but for one reason or another, quarterback has always kind of been, uh, you know, their their Achilles heel. Uh, and so yeah, this that, that's a huge factor for, for Nebraska is, you know, you know what you're going to get with Wisconsin offensive, offensive line, with their running game. Um, you know, their, their receivers are okay, but – the X factor is making sure that the quarterback struggles and you're able to pressure him into making mistakes uh, to where they become almost totally reliant on running the ball when obvious passing situations come up. That's prime opportunity to change the game with potential turnovers or sacks. So that's uh, that's what it comes down to for Nebraska is being able to get after Mertz because when teams ruffle him, rustle him a little bit, uh, he has often struggled very heavily. And I think for Nebraska, obviously stopping the run is going to be key to put Mertz in these situations, but they have great tight ends. Jake Ferguson, whose father played at Nebraska, but married Barry Alvarez's daughter. So that's why Jake Ferguson is at Wisconsin and not Nebraska. Um, is, you know, one of the best tight ends in the conference. I mean, that's going to be a tough matchup without JoJo Dolman mm-hmm. um, kind of to, to guard him as they will get Ferguson open over the middle in the red zone on third and fives, third and fours. He's the guy They've got to get in situations where Nebraska can get after Mertz. Well, and especially, you know, without JoJo Doman, it kind of makes the Deontay Williams situation that much more uh, important where, you know, he, he's 
all signs pointing to him being able to potentially return. Yeah, to what the did field. Shenander say? Uh, he said that he's he practiced Tuesday, um, and really it's going to come down to on Saturday before the game. If Deontay feels good enough to play, he's going to play. So really, the he's he's cleared as long and as long as he clears himself. And I don't know why he wouldn't at this point. So. Nebraska should be getting back one of their uh, best playmakers in the back end. And you want to talk about being able to defend the tight end. Having Deontay Williams, who, despite missing the time that he did, still leads the team in interceptions, that's a pretty big asset. Yeah, and, and he is a ball hawk. He does a great, great job of making plays, making things happen. But they've got to stand up. And, and we know that, yes, Isaac Gifford's going to be a part of this game plan. But I think to me, it's going to be more Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, Feldarius Payne game. Um, DeAndre Thomas, is he going to be a factor more this week? You know, obviously Casey Rogers has gotten himself back in the rotation. That's the group that's going to win this game for Nebraska if they win this game. Yeah, defense. life could be really easy on Graham Mertz if Wisconsin can run the ball like they have against Nebraska in, in the past few meetings. So that's that's what it always comes down to with Wisconsin is can you slow down their running game enough to make the quarterback have to beat you? Because if that happens, you're going to put yourself in at least a pretty good spot to to have a chance. All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag as Avi Barmer will join us. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Hey, it's a big deal to me. Certainly sounds like it's a big deal to the players, and I know it will be. I expect these guys to come out and, and band together and, and play even harder than we have before. Um, anytime we, we line up against a, a team like Iowa or Wisconsin, um, I know uh, offensively they got big guys, both teams do. Um, and then and, and defensively, they're, they're a very good defense too. But anytime we get, you know, I, I said earlier, trophy games, these are, these are big games for us. These are two rivalry games. I think both offense and defense are, are, are really excited for this opportunity. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washad, as you heard, uh, Scott Frost and Casey Rogers talking about just the importance of this game, this series. It's a trophy game. I think sometimes we forget that this is kind of one of those forced Big 12 or Big 10, the Freedom Trophy, and Nebraska's never held the Freedom Trophy never. either. Because I think it, it didn't start until 2014. It didn't start until they were in the same division. Yeah, and so <laughs> – I always forget it's a trophy game until I see like Wisconsin writers like tweet about and the the Freedom Trophy stays in Madison. Oh like, boy, there's a trophy. What? <laughs> anyway, we got a mailbag and the world famous Abby Barmore, um, Husker Online's senior intern, joining us here. What do you have to lead us off with? With JoJo Doman done for the year, Lou Gifford is the next man up. How crucial is it for Gifford to play well against Wisconsin and Iowa? And is Nebraska's defense going to have to adjust? Um, I I think when you look at Gifford, it's different because of who they're playing. This is not a game where the nickel is going to play a ton. I mean, I'm sure Wisconsin can go three wide. They can go four wide, um, but they've got elite tight ends. They've got good running backs. They play with fullbacks. Um, so I see this game being, Robin, more of a heavier front game where Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson are probably out there together, mm -hmm. and you'll see Ty Robinson, Ben Stilley, and Damian Daniels all out there on the D-line. Um, to me, this is more about matching up Wisconsin's beef. And JoJo would have played, uh, but I think this week you 
alter that? And you, you heard from Eric Shander this week. How did, how did he address that? Yeah, so first, I, I know Nebraska would love to have Luke Gifford out there, but Isaac would be the one out there playing. So, <laughs> sorry, Abby. But anyway, yeah, back to that point. Um, as far as Isaac's role, yeah, I think they're all kind of anticipating that the snap count that particular position had seen uh, against previous opponents is probably going to drop significantly over these next two weeks just because of the types of offenses Wisconsin and Iowa play where they're going to play a lot of heavy sets and uh, Nebraska's got to be able to match up with that and JoJo is the exception to the rule because you know he can cover like a defensive back but he's also you know 230 pounds and can more than hold his own against the run so you know, as much as they like <clears throat> Isaac Gifford, he's not JoJo Doman, and very few people are. So I think they're going to have to adjust personnel-wise to get some of their bigger outside linebackers more snaps and, and maybe those obvious passing downs, then you'll see Gifford out there. From what, we, from what we've heard, how well do you think Nebraska's players are going to mentally move past losing some of the offensive coaches? I mean, you just don't know until they do it. I, I think – just saying, oh, it's not going to bother him. It, that's hard to say. But I, I think we hear so much about how great the culture is and how strong this locker room is. And that's true. I mean, they've held up. They, they've showed great resolve through three and seven. But now they're three and seven where 40% of their coaches lost their job a week ago. And the bowl game is all but off the table. And, you know, you got other guys that might be thinking about are they coming back for another year, whether – or even guys that are seniors thinking about the pros. I think there's a lot more distractions, and, and we're going to learn a lot about this team and how bad they really want to win, I think, these next two weeks. Yeah, and so you have to give them a lot of credit. There's been multiple opportunities this season for it to completely implode, and uh, every week they find a way, I mean, more often than not, to come back and, and at least give forth enough effort to have a chance to win. And I think I don't think that's going to change. Uh, despite all the, the distractions, I think that this, these players and the veteran leadership, the captains and the players beyond the captains, have done a really good job of just keeping a consistent message uh, about you know doing the same things week in, week out, regardless of your circumstance. And I think that that is going to continue. And like I said, um, as tough as this turnover was with the staff, they have new coaches that they're familiar with, and they're going to rally around. And I think that they'll you won't see much of a drop-off in terms of effort and fight than what we've seen all, all year. We're taking your questions here in the ma mailbag with Husker Online's Abby Barmore. Who do you think are some of the frontrunners for the offensive coordinator position? And if you don't have any names in mind, what are some of the most important qualities? I mean, I would hate just to say these are frontrunners because nobody knows. And I don't want to like confuse people and Say, oh, Sean Callahan said this guy is a friend. Because we don't know yet right now. It, I think Scott Frost is still really surveying the land. I'm more intrigued how far off his tree he'll go and how much is he going to give this new guy power. Yeah, he used the word trust about like five times when talking about what he wants in his offensive coordinator. So that leads you to believe it's not going to be this like totally out of left field um, – 180 degree flip and, and scheme type of coach is going to be someone that is on the same page with what he believes in offensively. And, you know, he made sure to point out all the, the yards that they've put up this year, even though they're not winning or really scoring points, they've put up a lot of yards. And at times the offense has been really explosive. So I think he still believes that a, a version of what they're doing can work and be successful in the big 10 conference, but it's going to be, finding someone that can balance it out enough to give some new ideas and, and uh, just, just different principles that can take it over the top. 
Let's talk about recruiting for a minute. So Held was Nebraska's recruiting coordinator, and with him and other coaches leaving, how much is that going to change Nebraska's incoming class? And do you think some of those players that are already committed will decommit? Um, as of right now, you're just talking offense, and all of the offensive recruits, Richard Torres, Ashton Hayes, the quarterback and the running back, uh, Victor Jones and Grant Page, you know they're all they're all solid. I, I have not seen anything, and they don't have any offensive linemen committed. So, you know, they don't have to worry about that part right now. So, they they only have five offensive commits in the class out of their nine spots. So, I'm not really worried about that. And you know, you talk about Ryan Held as the recruiting coordinator. The recruiting coordinator is more a title to give somebody a kind of a pay bump, but there is such a bigger part of the operation that runs the day-to-day recruiting. Guys like Trent Mossberger, Sean Dillon, Brian Callahan, Kenny Wilhite, they've got a team of four guys that all make six-figure money to run and manage the recruiting to help set things up for the coaches. Yeah, and you know, real quick, defensively, Eric Schnander, uh, on Tuesday was asked about just the plan with recruiting on his side of the ball. And he said, that's the million dollar question because they still got to figure out who's coming back and who's not, you know, they still have some players that have decisions to make and what those guys choose to do will ultimately impact uh, how they play the numbers game uh, with the defense. They still have some high school guys are looking at, but sounds like transfer portal junior college will, will be relied upon heavily. All right, we got time for maybe one more, Abby. The high school football championships are taking place next week, Monday and Tuesday. And like always, they're back in Memorial Stadium after last year. Um, Gretna and Omaha Westside are going to be in the Class A title. Sean, what do you think about that matchup and the games in general? Um, you know, the Gretna game, it, it's um, an interesting matchup. I'm not surprised necessarily Westside is there, but I am surprised because they've lost a lot of guys from a year ago. I mean, you talk about... They lost two Power 5 defensive backs. Their quarterback went to North Dakota State and probably could have been a Power 5 tight end or OLB. And then Cape Haberman, their defensive lineman, is doing great things in Northern Illinois. So they lost four D1 dudes. And that just speaks to the type of coach Brent Freund is. I think he's one of the best coaches in the in the, in the the state of Nebraska in the way he runs a program and, and does a great job. Um, just reloading. Um, and you, know, you got the Rezek brothers, uh, Dominic Rezek going to Air Force, the running back. He's really the standout guy for Westside. But then his little brother is now the quarterback who's tearing it up. You got Caleb Benning, Damon Benning's son as a sophomore. Westside had the best freshman a year ago. So this team is made up of guys that are veteran players on that championship team that might have been more role players with an elite group of sophomores. Then you got Gretna led by Mike Kale, um, who's done a great job there. And Gretna's on the verge of splitting into two high schools. So this is probably the strongest we're going to see Gretna over the next year or two before that second high school opens. But they've got Zane Flores, and I think a lot of people are intrigued. I'll be doing the broadcast on the sidelines for NET. Um, we'll have all the games on. And I'm excited about that. A year ago, um, it really stunk because the state couldn't watch these games. They had to play them at home sites. So NET aired a Class C2 game at Fremont Bergen, and then we aired the Class A game um, that night with Westside um, and Elkhorn South at Westside. So we're back to having all the games on TV, three games Monday, three games Tuesday, and it should be a great night or great two nights or days of high school football. It's Tuesday afternoon. Let's get your predictions. Oh, man. You can go as low in the classes as you want, but at least give us A through C. Oh. I'll stick with Westside. I just think they're more complete. They've been there. 
Um, I'll go with them. Bennington's the favorite in B. I mean, they've been the best team all year. Um, and, you know, they're going to play Aurora, who, after getting stomped by North Platte week one, Aurora has really come back strong um, and played some good football. But I still like Bennington. I mean, they got a kid that's almost rushed for 3,000 yards on sure. their team. Um, I'm going to stick with C1 and Pierce. I mean, that's a surprise final um, because, you know, there's some really good C1 teams that got knocked off in the playoffs. So Mark Bramer um, in those in the Pierce Blue Jays are going to get C1 and uh, C2 Norfolk Catholic Fremont Bergen. I mean those, those are some great teams with uh, great coaches. But Bergen's got Cole McIntyre, the Wyoming recruit. Um, he's an elite, elite, an elite player. Uh, but these are awesome games. I mean, I, I think that to me is one of the best C2 games that we've seen, and we're going to have some really, really good games. So I'm looking forward to it. Lock it in. You All heard right. it here first. All right, well, that wraps it up here for the mailbag. We'll close the show uh, with Jake Kokorowski. Um, he'll join us from Badger Blitz next. You're listening to the Oscar Line Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show final segment of the program. As Sean Callahan, pleased to be joined by Badger Blitz's Jake Kokorowski. Uh, Jake, it's a pleasure to have you on. I know Nebraska, Wisconsin, it's been a couple of years since these two programs have met. I'm sure uh, Badger fans are excited to see the Huskers come back into Madison. Yeah, it's going to be a great matchup. And, you know, it's been uh, with just Wisconsin, Nebraska, Big Ten West. It's uh, To me, it's always intriguing to see just how Wisconsin can defend someone like Adrian Martinez and just uh, big time. I mean, it, it's such a talented quarterback and you know martinez has given wisconsin fits the past you know two times they've played back in 2018 2019 but you know it's this right you know it's in terms of rivalry it'll be interesting to see if it grows i know there's the freedom trophy it's a it's a trophy game uh, i know it's been a bit one-sided as of late but uh you know I, this is a talented nebraska team that this hasn't yeah, luck hasn't gone its way uh, with all of its close losses, and it's going to be a very interesting battle where it's, this is definitely not a gimme for Wisconsin on Saturday. Yeah, Jake, I want to ask you, you mentioned about Martinez and his mobility, and yeah, I've studied the Badgers and looked at who you guys have played, and obviously it's an elite defense. I mean, no one's going to contest um, what they've done this year, but what does jump out to me is they haven't really seen a quarterback like Adrian Martinez a guy that can, you know, shoe off a 40, 50 yard run in a football game. And he's, he's shown that this year, you know, what kind of challenge could that maybe present to the Badgers who haven't really faced a guy like that this season? Right. And, you know, even last week, like Andrew Marty for Northwestern had a couple of runs. One was, I think it was, it was a breakdown in, in, uh, in, I would say a scramble. It was more of a scramble because there was great coverage at first. And then the containment line, you know, containment on Wisconsin's end didn't work out. And Andrew Marty had one run that was about 14 yards. And I think he had another for about 12, it, you know, and so with any type of dual threat quarterback, you know, you have to contain, you know, those lanes and make sure you yeah, it's very coach speak, but you have to do your one eleven. 
right? That's what Wisconsin's defense preaches uh, with, with their assignment sound football, and that's what they're going to have to do against Martinez. They're going to have to get pressure on them, too, to force errant throws and mistakes, too. Wisconsin, uh, you know, top third in the FBS in terms of sacks. They have they average three per game, and uh, they're among, you know, they have about 7.4 tackles for loss per contest. So this, for Wisconsin, they're just going to have to, you know, make sure that they do what they're supposed to do, not try to do too much uh, when it comes out, or when they have an opportunity to make a play to bring down Martinez, because if he gets loose, uh, you know, if, if plays break down and it's a scramble drill, Wisconsin's going to, you know, the front seven is going to have to make sure they, they bring him down or contain him enough to, you know, force incomplete passes. But on the other side for the defensive backfield, it's making sure they stay on their receivers, not letting their eye discipline lack or, or fall away, you know, where, that, uh, you know, a breakdown could lead to a huge chunk play and change the court complexion of the game. So there's a lot with this team, you know, not to take in with Martinez and, and they, Wisconsin respects what he can bring to the table. So, um, you know, in my eyes, uh, Wisconsin's really going to have, you know, a challenge ahead of them, and it'll be fun to watch. We're talking here with BadgerBlitz.com's Jake Kokorowski. Jake, uh, when you looked at this Badger team when they had the three early season losses, I mean, that was obviously uncharted waters for Badger fans over the last few years. Um, you know, and they've never really necessarily played that type of front-loaded schedule either the last several years in a row, uh, but they were in a hole. W- was there a point at all where you're like, okay, this is going to be just a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five year, or did a lot of people that knew this team and maybe knew the schedule said, you know what, they can still get to Indianapolis and get to 9-3? and three. I, I, To me, I mean, when I remember looking through it, I think I wrote a column about it after the Michigan game. of like, this is who this team is, uh, where – they had an offense that was inconsistent, you know, where the running game would start, start off decently against Penn state and against Eastern Michigan and then trailed off and did terribly against Michigan and in Notre Dame in back-to-back weeks. And then, uh, you know, the passing game was just wildly inconsistent where you saw glimpses here and there on, you know, a drive or two, but then it would fade uh, thereafter, whether it's because of pass protection and there's a lot of pressures, uh, that Wisconsin gave up, which led to, you know, I think it was 12 sacks in the first four games. And then on top of that, you had, uh, you know, um, the defense was playing really well, uh, but there are times where they gave, they gave up some, you know, yards through some big chunk plays. Jahan Dotson had a big day in the season opener. Notre Dame got open on a couple of bigger plays, uh, you know, in the aerial attack there. And Michigan also made some plays uh, in their passing game that uh, really caused some trouble too. So it, um, there, you see, so when they're one and three, you're, you're thinking like, okay, this is what this team, this is what it's shown through the first third. And we all thought there was, there was going to be potential uh, with this team. And even going in uh, on paper, the, the passing game with the returners at receiver and with the, you know, with the, you know, Graham Mertz, obviously and his potential. Uh, and even with Ches Malusi and, and he's no longer with the program, but Jalen Berger, you thought there was going to be a good one, two combo at, at tailback. Uh, you know, and and now you're starting to see what we all thought on paper for the offense would come, you know, would, would come to fruition, and especially the past two games, where you have a power running game among one of the nation's best, averaging over 222 yards per contest, you know, rushing, and then the passing game in the past two weeks, you know, it's averaged two, over 250 yards, five touchdown passes to only two interceptions, and that's what we thought that this unit could be, and so you know, it, it's more just. Um, to me, I thought at that time, Wisconsin, you know, 
no game's going to be a gimme based off of just what they've done through the first four games. But, you know, the offensive line became more physical. They've started imposing their will more at the line of scrimmage, and they've done that through the last six games. Uh, you know, in the last, I think it's the last five Big Ten games. They've averaged over 284 yards per game on the ground. And then, like I said, the passing game's getting better. It's kind of more consistent, and, and that's what you want to see. And the defense, too, the big turnaround – has been the takeaways where uh, you know they're getting pressure. They've gotten pressure on quarterbacks all season. They've they've made plays against the run, but the big the big thing was creating takeaways. They've had 16 in the last four weeks. Uh, they've they've really changed the turnover margin. They're protecting the ball, uh, but you know that's what's really led the key. And uh, you know, like I said, they've they've, they've changed their fortunes around. And uh, I know they changed you know my thoughts about the program. Uh, you know, going into you know this this these last two months of the season. Jake, uh, I look at a guy like Graham Mertz, and I mean, it was so easy to overreact on that Friday night game to open the year. That wow, I mean, this is you know a Russell Wilson type of program changing guy. That's an NFL elite, and I think we all overreacted. We all kind of got hyped up in, in that opening game, but the reality is, it just feels like you know what they've had to turn this kid into a classic Wisconsin quarterback game manager, and he, he's starting to take steps each week. It appears to really be the type of Badger quarterback Paul Chris needs. Right, and that's been key. I mean, it's been a roller coaster career for, for, for Mertz in, for the past two seasons, right? And, you know, Jack Cohen suffers a foot injury, and then Mertz is inserted. He, you mentioned, the, the you know, his first game as a starter, and there was five touchdown passes, you know, breaks or ties, uh, a couple of school records for single game, uh, you, know, uh, you know, efficiencies and whatnot there, but it – Really, you know, you started seeing. I think a lot of it was with Wisconsin. You know, came up front with the line where you saw more. You saw you've seen better protect. You know, protection. And obviously, they haven't played. I would say the the caliber that you saw out of Notre Dame or Penn State or you know Michigan. You know, Michigan had I believe six sacks uh, against the Badgers. Uh, you know, earlier this season. But in my eyes, you know, the, they they have gotten better. You know, they they stopped George Karloftis really well against Purdue. You know, you just you see, you know, you watch the game film the past few weeks. You know, there's you know there's a sack here and there, uh, but you know they've only allowed four sacks in the past six contests, uh, and, and Mertz has not been sacked in the past two. Uh, so, you know, you see in the pocket opening up, he's able to step into throws. He's starting to make those progressions that you want. You know, I would say start, but you, uh, you know you've seen over the past couple of games now where he's starting to, you know, really hone in, home in, uh, in and make those you know right reads and and whatnot. And so that's where the fruition for the games come on. And, you know, where he, you know, he'll still make, you know, he had, he's had a couple of interceptions the past two weeks, um, but his, you know, what he's doing well is far outweighing the mistakes. And um, he, you know, the way he's played the past two weeks, he really kind of personifies just what I think, you know, obviously many believe he could be as that high four-star caliber quarterback out of Kansas. And uh, I think he's the confident, I don't think the confidence ever really wavered from him. On there, it was just putting it together and having the results come by. And, you know, he's making the throws that he needs to make and putting them on the money. Uh, and, you know, he can make every throw you want out of a standout Power 5 quarterback. So it, it will be, uh, I think, good things are going to continue to come for him. It's just they have to keep him upright, keep him, you know, comfortable in the pocket. And, you know, he has some escapability, too, to when plays break down as well. So uh, I think he's on the path that you want. Uh, I think good things probably will continue for him well jake we appreciate the time and always look forward to trips to madison uh, should be a great uh, afternoon for football absolutely you know you gotta love it it's gonna be senior day 
uh, you know, it's November weather, so maybe a little chilly in that camp around the press box, but uh, yeah, we'll have some fun. All right. Well, that was Jake Kokorowski here uh, giving us some insight here on the Badgers. Make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we'll have more coverage of Nebraska, Wisconsin here uh, over the weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 